Hey, hey, this is Megan, and you're listening to the Salesy Podcast. This is a podcast for a modern business owner where you will learn how to build your business while staying true to yourself at the same time. As a sales expert of the last eight years and an online business owner, I am here to teach you tangible sales techniques rooted in psychology and human behavior. Get your earbuds on and your salesy notebook out and let's get started today. Welcome back to another episode of Salesy. Today we have Carlisle Russell, who a lot of you will know the brand she's worked with and worked behind, but you may not know her. I met you probably in summer of 2020 and have been honestly fascinated with your work ever since because I have been the end consumer of some of these brands that you've worked with. So I'm excited for you to share all your marketing and social media marketing goodness because you've also been in the industry, what, for like 10 years now too? Yeah, 10 going on 11 years now, which is crazy because it feels like I'm still a newbie, but I'm actually a veteran. It's wild. (laughs) Yeah. And now you have just started Seek the Agency and your team has over 42 years of experience too. So there's a lot of masterminding happening there, huh? A a ton of masterminding. And, you know, we have experience across lifestyle, beauty and wellness brands. So we've had a hand in a pretty vast variety of different businesses. So it's, it's always fun when the three of us get to put our heads together and build a strategy for a business because a lot of magic seems to happen. And it doesn't always fold out that way when you partner with other people to build a business, but we're just really lucky that the synergy and the, the vibe is always there with us. We, we feel very blessed to have this opportunity. Yeah, I have been on a call with Seek the Agency and the vibes are immaculate. I'm just going to jump right in because obviously I know you and all your experience, but what has been your favorite project that you have worked on since getting into this kind of marketing world? Oh, that is, oh, there's so many things that come to mind, but I'm going to go back to my beginning marketing days. So I actually have my, my degree is in like journalism and screenwriting because I had these big dreams to go and produce a TV show like 30 Rock or The Office or Parks and Rec. And I worked about six months in commercial TV production and I decided that that life wasn't for me. So I moved into marketing. But something I thankfully learned through commercial video production was direct sales and direct response marketing. And that kind of laid the foundation for my interest in digital marketing without me realizing that it was happening. So I moved back to Nashville. I worked at a really small direct response essential oil diffuser company for two years and just happened to meet um, the CMO for this really small company at the time called Smile Direct Club. And he really liked what I had to say about social media and the, the community building idea that it had behind it because this was 2017. So social media wasn't quite in the big community space that it is now. And he asked me to come interview for a social media spot. So I, I interviewed and I was hired basically an hour after I left the interview and I was the 13th marketing employee for Smile Direct Club. Um, and 
that was in and of itself, it felt really powerful because we knew the momentum that Smile Direct had. But when we joined, the marketing team was nothing and social media was nothing. So I had the opportunity to really just build this out from the ground up. And I learned a lot. I failed a lot. But my proudest accomplishment was really the communication that we had. We went from taking 15 hours to respond to a comment or a DM to getting all of our responses down to under 15 minutes. And we were getting over 2000 messages and comments a day. All of those responded to in under 15 minutes at an average 95% satisfaction rate from our customers when it was at 78% prior. So that's like my biggest proudest accomplishment is just like failing my way into smile direct club and then working really hard to build a community that spoke to us and trusted us and wasn't afraid to share their opinions. Um, I'm still really proud of that to this day. That is something to be proud of. And like I said, once we talk about these brands, people are just going to be so blown away. Like I was when we had that first one-on-one call, when you were actually (laughs) my client and I was like, tell me about your experience. And you're like talking about how you've worked with all these brands. And I'm just sitting here like, why does this girl need me (laughs) to teach her samples when she's been in marketing for so long? I love that you mentioned direct response because that is something that like, I think a lot of people know it and they know the feeling of it, but they don't understand how that kind of intertwines with sales and marketing with your like genius and expertise. How can you talk about direct response sales and how that ties in with like these marketing campaigns that you've been doing? That's another really great question. So, you know, a lot of times when people hear the word sales, they think about a guy like going door to door and knocking and like just cold pitching somebody on a concept or a product or a service. And that translated into the digital world is like random people reaching out via DM or comment and trying to to pitch you their service. And I think you and I are on the flip side of that. We're really trying to, to share and teach people that sales doesn't have to feel gross and yucky, that it actually can build connection and provide people with value that they need in their life. And the only way to do that is to bridge the gap of communication. And that's where sales fit, fits in. And where you are more, you know, the face-to-face service provider sales pitching, I kind of work in the sneaky sales space, which is what I like to call it when I'm explaining it to people, which is direct response marketing. So this is really digitized. It's kind of like content marketing, but basically what we're doing is creating content either through video or photos or graphics um, presented in a customer experience that drive a subconscious emotion within people and really make them want to be part of a community that is surrounded around a product. Um, Direct response, the the people will know it most by 1-800 commercials. Like when you're watching TV and you see Billy Mays come on the screen and he's pitching OxyClean to you, that is like at its core, the most basic level of direct response marketing. You're, You're getting an offer. There's a limited time, something correlated to it. There's a bonus if you purchase within a certain amount of time. Um, there are limited quantities. You only have access for a certain period of time. So there are all these different aspects that go into it. And with digital marketing these days, what we're doing is taking that concept and making it a lot less in your face and making it more approachable. So it's problem solution oriented versus, you know, fear mongering through 1-800 commercials. I loved Billy Mays as a child. And honestly, you know, knowing what I know now, it was just like that. That's how I knew I was going to go into sales. 
knowing what I know now, like I loved Billy Mays. I loved the OxyClean commercials and the energy he had. And he would get on and be like, I'm Billy Mays. Like, oh, that that's who inspired me to get into sales subconsciously. It's really cool because that's a concept that you do with a large company that you're working for now, a very large company. But that's also something that you're working inside of your own agency to do with more of like the e-commerce business and really kind of take that partnership of marketing and sales. I'm curious because you are like one of the few people like me who know both ends of it. Where do you feel like marketing ends and sales starts? Uh, I So if if everything was based on me and what I had to say, I don't think there's really a difference, right? I don't think you can have a cohesive marketing experience without really great sales. And I also don't think you can have really great sales without a good marketing experience. I think in the past, they were able to live in separate entities. But today in the modern world, they're really, really interconnected. I saw a meme the other day that made me laugh because it was like, two guys standing on the outside of a set of cubicles. And then there was one guy in the cubicle, like peeking over and you saw on his desk, it said marketing team. And the two guys that were standing outside of the cubicles were talking about how they, you know, closed X amount of sales from X leads throughout that entire month. And then on the marketing guy's side, somebody was talking about how many different marketing touches they had through the month. So, you know, that's, I think that's really relatable because sales can't happen without those good marketing touches that are happening in between between the calls and the asks and the pitches, but also marketing isn't going to get any conversion if you don't have people with like their feet on the ground, reaching out to the community, having those hard conversations, bridging the gap between where people are and where they want to be. So I don't think they are, I don't think they're separate. I think they're pretty mutually exclusive, Um, but I'd love to know where you stand on that because I think we might have similar ideas. Oh, we're always on the same vein. I feel like you and I were like split from the same marketing sales brain. Like we were just like kids, like loving up on books and stuff because I believe that they run in a parallel process in my own experience in the online space two years ago, my marketing was crap. I mean, I've always had like a little bit of edge, but I learned very traditional marketing in business school, which getting out of business school, I was like, uh, this isn't real marketing. Like, I'm sorry, but the four P's have died. They've been dead. (laughs) Um, they're not coming to the phone right now. And that's why we've seen such explosive growth in the coaching side is because like my marketing finally like lines up with my sales values and my sales beliefs. And so I truly believe like marketing sales have to go hand in hand. And when you have good marketing and you have a good sales team, I was thinking about this when I was walking downstairs the other day. And it's like, it's like a money-making ecosystem because you're drawing people in, you're capturing the attention, you're speaking to their desires on like a conscious and a subconscious level. But then you have, you know, you have the active sales of somebody coming in like we do at Salesy and talking to you in the DMs and really getting to know you and presenting opportunities. You also have passive sales opportunities that we've seen with like the rise of ads and retargeting. Like we could have a whole nother episode about all the things that you can do with ads and human behavior because at the core, marketing and sales is rooted in humans. And at the end of the day, like we want answers, we want solutions and we want to be a part of something. And knowing that piece makes it so much more fun because then you know where you can play in your marketing. And if you're like an entrepreneur, you can start doing more storytelling versus we've had a lot of value-based marketing. And then in the sales process too, you can start having more fun and having like, I have very casual sales conversations, but they're very to the point. Like a lot of people think I'm very formal, 
But a lot of times it's like, I saw you opened this email. Our email software tells us everything, y'all. You know this too. And it's like, what questions do you have? Like, how can I help you? Like, you know, sometimes I'm like, tell me more about this. And so that's the other piece that I think when most people struggle, they try to go really far into the marketing and the visibility and growing. And then when they get burnt out on showing up and doing a lot consistently or trying to conform to their idea of what's attractive as a business owner and being a personal brand too, which a lot of founders don't have that same experience when you're in direct-to-consumer or you're in these larger companies because you can step back eventually. But then they go really heavy on sales and they go into these sales programs that emulate this door-to-door sales person. And I think there has to be that perfect mix of both because the other side is, is that when you talk to your consumer, you know what they want. You can take it back to marketing. You can do some direct response without it feeling you know, I still love Billy Mays. So like, I'm not going to say anything bad about him because it just was the light bulb of like, this is how I know I was going to go into sales. But it <laughs> truly is an ecosystem. And that's where I think a lot of entrepreneurs struggle because they do really good marketing, but don't have to ask, don't have an opportunity or they don't follow up because of that fear of rejection. Or they're like me and they're really good at sales, but because they're so good at sales that they, you sell people what you think they need. And it's like marketing is truly that desire and that pleasure. And so it's learning both is where you get super profitable. Uh, yes. Like you're speaking to my soul. And I, I, I think it's important that I speak on something that you mentioned, which is burnout through marketing. I, I love marketing. Like I live it and I breathe it. I could talk to a brick wall about marketing strategies and theories for like days and days on end. It's one of my, my favorite things is to talk through the subconscious like action of it all and why we do what we do and human drivers. But I, I also want to, you know, urge people to remember that it's really easy to get burnt out on marketing because marketing can't solve all of the problems, right? It can, it can definitely help bridge the gap of communication. It can tell stories. It can teach people things. It can entertain and inspire, but you're going to have to go back to making those connections and the foundation. And a lot of what marketing is, is you know, finding that community. But I think sales is really engaging that community and making them see the value in what you have to offer. So if you're getting burnt out on marketing, you probably need to spend a little bit more time in sales. And if you're getting burnt out in sales, you probably need to spend a little bit more time in marketing. They, they do go hand in hand and they run parallel and they're both so easy to get caught up in that they're easy to get burnt out into. So that's kind of something I think you and I also share is our story of burning ourselves out doing exactly what we just talked through. <laughs> oh man, burnout. What a interesting segue into burnout, but so relevant. I think it's so interesting too, because um, so kind of back information, Carlisle and I, we went through a launch together. She was my client and wasn't like the greatest experience ever. And that is like also when one, I found out that the male coaches weren't launching and I was like highly offended. Like the, I grew up in a household with three older brothers. And so my whole life I was taught that like, if the boys could do it, I could do it. Like when my brother didn't want to play on the soccer team, like I got to play on the soccer team. Like it was highly offensive to me to be like, why are we stressing ourselves out? But for you, um, you've kind of lived in like an evergreen world too, with like smile direct and some of the other companies you've worked with. Mm -hmm. And so moving into launching, that could be a very harsh kind of adjustment. What kind of advice would you give somebody around burnout? If they're doing a lot of marketing, 
And they kind of want to scale back and do more of that, what we call evergreen, but it's truly just like how normal businesses market. And, you know, what's been kind of your experience shifting into like your new lane of marketing, working with like e-commerce brands, because e-commerce brands don't fully go through launches and you can correct me if I'm wrong. It's more of like they're marketing on a daily basis to make those sales to then continue that momentum. Yeah, like I, I think a more traditional way, you know, and the, the way that I work in my nine to five and the way that all the companies I have worked for in the past is, you know, they have a product base that's pretty set in stone, right? With Smile Direct Club, it was invisible aligners with the essential oil company I worked for. It was those essential oil diffusers and the limited amount of blends that they had. When I worked with, you know, Ancient Nutrition and Dr. Axe, it was their limited number of protein pow- powders and supplements. And so, you know, you aren't necessarily releasing new products like that once a month, right? And so the difference is instead of having launches, you're having promotions or specific campaigns, right? You know, these as sales, buy one, get one, percentage is off. Maybe you get a bonus item if you buy a certain number of things. There are a ton of ways that people, you know, divvy up these kind of launches that we know in the coaching space, within the direct to the response D2C world, right? That's kind of how we, we leverage it. And I'm lucky in that I had a pretty good background in both, right? So I had the, the direct to consumer e-com store experience. And then I had the pleasure of working with Dr. Josh Axe, who had the Essential Oil Institute, who did, um, you know, the leaky gut. He had a leaky gut course that he, that he offered. So he launched, but it was already set on evergreen by the time I got into that business. So I got to want watch his evergreen launches happen from a seat of, it was kind of already going on, but we got to pick it apart from the back end. And I got to learn how they marketed um, new leads into this funnel that had been set up for years and years and years. And then on the flip side, we were also, you know, having campaigns and promotions centered around his D to C e-commerce products, which were protein powders and supplements. And I found that it wasn't necessarily either of the specific kinds of campaigns that drew me in, but instead it was how they figured out what their audience was interested in and what they needed and how they served that to them through products like their protein powders and their supplements and also through products like e-courses to learn the information about what they were offering. Um, It was the ecosystem and the way that everything really worked together to create a cohesive experience that was catered to what the audience wanted and needed that got me really excited. Um, I'm not a huge, like I don't work out a ton. I do eat whole foods and like I take some supplements, but it's not like I'm crazy about essential oils. I just found it fascinating that there was such a devout community because this business had spent so much time catering to what their audience wanted and needed. So, you know, even if there was someone who had bought 50 containers of bone broth protein before, if it went on sale, buy two, get one free, they bought six of them. You know, it it was about creating that reputation and that relationship with our audience that made everything they offered like an undeniable yes. And I have been, you know, driving to build that ever since I experienced it with every business that I've worked for. It's like a cult at that point. Like it's yeah. like, <laughs> like what's in the Kool-Aid? Like it, it, you know what it reminds me of? Dr. Axe always reminds me of Soul Cycle, And then it went into yeah. like the Pelotons and everybody and their mom buying Pelotons. And like, 
you know, I'm, I'm a laggard when it comes to workout stuff, like on the trend curve, like I'm always last to market, but Ryan and I were actually looking at a Peloton recently because I was like, Oh, I just, you know, I just don't want to drive 15 minutes to the gym. And I'm like, Oh, this is how they get you. I'm like, this is how they suck you in. It's so interesting that you talk about how like they know their community so deeply that they can really kind of strategically play with and kind of pull these different levers from your experience. How are they like collecting information and like, how can someone take this concept of, you know, I think a lot of times in the online space, we say like care about your customers and what the point is actually is to like know them and to be able to serve them on that level where it's almost like you can predict what their behavior is because you know them so well. Something that I have kind of forced into every business that I've been a part of, because I work in social media, which means responding to comments and DMs kind of naturally falls under my reign of things that need to be done. And a lot of people get caught up because they're like, oh, that's customer service or, oh, that's social media service. And it's not really either, but it's also both, right? You need to be able to provide customer support through social media in a way that feels modern and engaging and connects with the consumer in a way that like a customer support email doesn't necessarily have to do in the same exact way. And so, you know, for me, it's not necessarily what one specific business decided to do, but it's the fact that because I'm working in social media, I see the questions that come in. I know what customers understand from our marketing and our sales. I know what questions they still have after they've consumed everything. I know that they're, I know their concerns. I know their objections and I'm having pretty regular conversations with them. So I know seasonally, monthly, weekly kind of what's trending and what's on their mind. And so something that I began forcing when I started working at Smile Direct Club was weekly meetings with the head of marketing, the head of sales, the head of customer support, and myself, the head of social. So we could talk about those trends in a way that was productive. So it wasn't just information sharing within our own units, but we were really using that as a place to start a conversation about where our customers were and how we could serve their needs at that point in time. Because yes, we're offering the same product or the same service, but that doesn't mean the needs are going to stay consistently the same throughout the year or even year over year. You know, people change, people grow, but they can still use the same products and the same services. So it's all about finding out where your customers are at and meeting them where they are in the best way that you can with the resources you have available. You know, so if it's a small team and you don't have, you know, four people who can meet that are head of, you know, teams that are 15 or so people big that can collect a ton of information and it's just you or maybe one or two other people, get on your social media and just see what questions people have asked, how people are talking, what they're commenting, go into your DMs and see how conversations are going. Do you get questions via email? And if, if you don't have that, then go on Facebook and start looking in Facebook groups of people who would be interested in your product and see what they're talking about. That is something Facebook groups, I, you know, I have my own feelings about them, but they are wealths of information. Um, People who are active in Facebook groups are so active. And I have learned a lot about my own customers just by spending some time reading posts and questions in Facebook groups. So if it's just you or if you're a small business, start there to try and learn what your audience is asking about, what they need to know. And when you understand that, figuring out how to sell to them and how to market to them is going to be so much easier because you're going to be coming from a place of knowledge and understanding versus what you think they need, which is probably wrong. (laughs) It's 
1000% wrong. I always tell this story and I'm going to tell it every single opportunity I get because it was just like, it was such an ego moment for me, but we went through the consistent sales system launch. We did everything. We had the emails, we had the posts, we had everything. And it was supposed to be like, we lined it up. It was literally supposed to be a slam dunk y'all. Like there were more people interested than we had spots. Like it's the same situation where we have 12 spots. We can't take massive amount of people on yet. 2023 will be different y'all. And guess what? The one thing that messed it up, the one thing that made me have $0 in the launch and then go and do $166,000 in 30 days was because I thought that people wanted to spend less time finding customers and more time with their customers. And when I took a little jaunt back into my DMs, did some market research and not probing market research, asked what really people wanted. You know what I found out is that people don't want to spend less time finding customers and more time with their customers. At their core, they want to work less and make more. And I was like, I also want to work less and make more. Like four-hour work week, the first time I read the book, I was like, this is trash. How could this happen? The second time I read this book, I was like, this man is a genius. And I'm ready to thank you. And yes. it's, it's so simple because a lot of times we think as experts that we have the answers, but like our little, my dad calls Google the font of all knowledge. And he's always like, you have a little computer in your hand, like look it up. Like your people are telling you what they want. If you listen to them, if you actually take the time to listen and even just like, like you said, like have a meeting with yourself wearing different hats. If you're just, if you're just one person or maybe a couple of people, because that's where you can grow these massive communities and these massive programs and make a lot of money because at the end of the day, like you do have to make money in a business. Like you can't pay people on good vibes. Like I wish it works like that, but it doesn't. Oh my gosh. I could have so many employees if I could pay people on vibes alone. I have enough vibes to go around. (laughs) We'd have massive teams if we could just do vibes only. Like our teams would be ready to go like vibe life. (laughs) The next version of crypto, we'll call it vibes. Yeah. Vibes. Dude, I didn't even like crypto. We could do a whole other video. I just watched the uh, the documentary about the shortstop that they did with GameStop. Actually, I've watched four now because Ryan mm-hmm. and I are very fascinated about it. And like online investing and Gen Z are, uh, it's a whole other thing that's happening there. So that could be its whole thing. But, you know, next <laughs> form of digital currency vibes. I like how you mentioned, though, that like a lot of times when it comes to um, social media and those types of things, that it kind of falls under customer service. And what I've seen in the online space is that it falls under typically like a DM manager or community manager. What's kind of the benefit of having someone in there who is not like a salesperson from your perspective? If there's any, uh, I don't think there's any. That's just my thought. (laughs) And then what's kind of the downfall too, because it sounds like a lot of like what you were building at Smile Direct and what you built with Dr. Axe and the other companies that you worked for really resonated from these people online and giving you just kind of spoon feeding you what they wanted and how they wanted it. Right. So the way that luckily, you know, it's different if you're working as a business in the DMs versus as a, a human, you know, because um, Small Direct Club or Ancient Nutrition didn't have the ability to be able to like reply to a story 
and be a person that was connecting with another person, right? There's solicitation laws around that. You know, there's, there's only so much that you can do as a business. And so we really made the decision to be reactive in the way that we sold in the DMs and in the comments. And look, we know that it was um, because of really good marketing and sales on the forefront that we were able to do that. Right. But we had 2000 people on average reaching out to us every day in the DMs or comments. So at that point, it's just making sure you're serving people and answer their, answering their questions well. Sales became easy, right? We were able to do things so like somebody would reach out and ask about the price or ask about um, how to get started or ask about, you know, the different kits that they needed to, to do the impressions of, of their teeth so they could get their aligners. And we had them in the DMs interested in the product already. So at that point in time, it was just answering their questions well. And because we were direct to consumer e-com, making sure we were sending them the links that made the most sense for their journey. So if somebody was asking us about price, we'd send them to a landing page all about pricing and then there would be a spot where they could click click a button and buy their aligners right or if they were asking about impressions and they weren't sure how to do that we had a landing page with a video that explained how to go through impressions and then a blog post within like some extra content pieces of information and then most importantly a spot where they could push a button and buy the product right so with e-com and business related sales and the dms and comments it's not so much that we don't pitch people, but rather it's that we just provide an abundance of information so that the yes and the opt-in is a no-brainer, right? Because if we're answering all of their questions right there in the DMs and we're answering those questions quickly when they're still in the buying process and making those considerations, we're able to get that conversion, that transaction way easier than we would if it were like through a retargeting targeting ad because yes, retargeting ads are incredibly powerful, but nothing is more powerful than somebody replying to a direct message that you just sent asking a question. And that's really where we harness our power is just being really great, quote unquote, customer service representatives that are also taking an active stance by offering sales through answering those questions. Um, so it's definitely a strategy, but it seemed to work every time, every time we've implemented it. I mean, it makes a lot of money, y'all. So it definitely <laughs> in my book. I think it's so interesting you mentioned retargeting because retargeting, the best retargeting ads that I have ever seen done. And like I have spent some time, I have a client who were doing some pretty heavy ad pushes and I've spent a lot of time just researching. Like the best one was like when we retarget them from a message with a call to action to message us back again, because yeah. then it's like, I think a lot of people forget that like, yes, we do live in a world of like funnels and emails and all this automated system. But like when people were surveyed, 97% of people still wanted to talk to a person at the end of the day. Only 3% of people preferred automation, even though we live in a very introverted, like don't kind of talk to me situation. But when you're in that buying process, it's natural to want someone to guide you and to help you and give you the right information. I love that you mentioned a no brainer. And I know that's been a huge buzzword inside the online space lately. How do yeah. you describe that with your expertise and what you know about consumer behavior? So a no brainer in my direct response world is they stay on the page for below the average amount of time and they scroll directly to the button and they click buy, right? That's a no brainer because it shows that that person landed on the page 
with the intention to buy. So they had made the decision prior to getting on that page, right? If it's not quite a no brainer, then they're going to scroll the page and maybe consume some more information about the product, um, about, you know, whatever different content blocks we have below, what's included, what it's made out of, how to care for it, reviews, all of that stuff. But a no brainer purchase is on the page, direct to purchase, transaction complete. Yeah. They're like bought, ready to go. Even sometimes when you offer them like a bump, a cart bump, which is just adding on another product that would pair Mm -hmm. well with it. They're like, okay, let's go. Like, where's my, like, here's my card type situation, Mm -hmm. which I think a lot of people forget Mm -hmm. in like actual business. Yeah. I honestly could talk to you for the next like, 12 to 18 years, just because I know you and I know the depth of your information, but we do like to keep them short and sweet because we all know that I have ADHD and, you know, anything over 45 minutes, I'm like squirrel brain gone. What is some like rapid fire advice that you could give to somebody who is building a brand on Instagram or TikTok or any of the social media so that they could bring in better marketing and have more sales? And if it's a couple of pieces, that's good too. If it's one, that's also good. Uh, Two pieces of advice. Number one, don't take yourself too seriously really don't like try a lot, be, be unafraid to fail because you're going to fail. And just remember that you're a human being selling to other human beings. None of us are perfect. So don't take yourself too seriously. Have fun with it. Um, number two, try a lot, try a lot of different things. If you're doing anything, test, right? Try as many new things as you can, because you might think, you know, what your audience wants, but when in reality, you know, we, we tend to sell to people the same way that we buy and there are a ton of different ways to buy. So just try a lot of new things, take advice and try new things. Those are my two pieces of advices. Don't be, don't be afraid to look silly and try a lot of new things. Yeah. Especially when it comes to like, don't take yourself too seriously. That's something that like I struggled with for so long and I took myself very corporate and seriously. And then like, when I started having more fun and people realized that like, I am really funny. I pride myself on being an in-house comedian. See, she laughs at my jokes. Therefore I'm funny, but that also removes this concept of feeling so like robotic and yeah, try. That's always the best piece of advice and like, look at other industries and see what they're trying to see if that's an opportunity for you as well, because that's where a lot of people make really good money is when they can take concepts and really like pick it apart and see what works best. hundred percent. Sweet. Obviously we can find you on Instagram. And if y'all haven't, and you're an e-commerce brand, go ahead and check out seek the agency. We'll link everything down below. And I always love talking to you. So I will definitely see you in our modes of communication. Yes, absolutely. It was great to chat with everyone. Thanks for having me. I'm super excited to be here. And I can't wait to see what we come up with next because we're always putting our heads together some way. Oh, we're always there. We're always connected somehow. We like, we just don't break up. Like, you know, this is just like, we're like for life. (laughs) For life. If you have loved today's podcast episode, go ahead and take a moment to rate and review on whatever you choose as your platform to listen. 
rating and reviews help us not only be able to serve you deeper, but to bring more people in to learn more about sales. If you ever want to check out the behind the scenes, go down to the show notes. My Instagram is always linked and I will see you next Wednesday for another episode of Sales Eve.